Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson a warmer for Lilo. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now, a part of the VC family and podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Sam Paniotovich. He does a great job over there at Nesson Bets, and he is now the host of the Ultimate Betting Show. And this is a little bit of a reuniting as. Mr. Paniotovich was actually at VSIN a few years ago, and I was his producer way back in the day, so we're going to reminisce a little bit about that, but he's a big Chicago White Sox follower and fan, so we're going to be taking a look at that. We're really going to be doing a little bit of a smorgasbord of a little bit of everything American League because he's out there in Boston, so we're going to be taking a look at the Red Sox, going to be taking a look at both of those divisions, the AL East along with the AL Central in general as well, so we're going to have some fun with that, and then in the final segment, going to give you Guys, picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. First things first, always want to dive into the Twitter questions that you guys wind up having. So if you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, Arable Fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five-star review. We did get in a few questions today, so let's dive in. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. I know that I was asked if I wind up taking a look at games with regards to day versus nighttime, and 
when it comes to like demonstrative pitching splits, I really do not. But when it comes to the way that the ball is flying out, absolutely. Like I'll devalue a fly ball pitcher a little bit more during the daytime than the nighttime, especially out on the West Coast because places like Los Angeles, Oakland, Seattle, you're going to notice that the ball is going to fly a little bit less during the nighttime and it's going to be a little bit more stark day to nighttime rather than say the Midwest part of the country because it is a little bit closer to the water. So I do wind up uh, attributing that a little bit and obviously for totals because of what I want up just diving into. Like Oakland, for instance, is a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark during the daytime. In the nighttime, the marine layer winds up coming out and it's very pitcher-friendly. So I do wind up accounting for that. I do think that it is very important to be taking a look at that. And I know that some of you newer betters have been asking, how much volatility is there in baseball? And the answer is a lot. I mean, I think the best way to be able to put it is the best teams in Major League Baseball typically lose at least 60 games every single year. And the worst teams in baseball typically are able to pull out 62 plus wins. Aside from like the poopy Baltimore Orioles and company, I mean, a lot of these bad teams, they still wind up winning 70 plus games. So I do think that that really speaks to the volatility that you wind up having in Major League Baseball. So always appreciate you guys firing those in. Now let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting in the MLB on Thursday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Slam Diego Padres were able to get the job done against the Philadelphia Phillies by kind of two to zero. Got both of their runs in the fourth inning as the Padres won one of eight with men in scoring position, but you Darvish. Absolutely tremendous in this one. Seven scoreless innings, and then you do wind up having Taylor Rogers get a four-out save and Luis Garcia give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen for the Phillies. They were without Bryce Harper once again in this one as Kyle Gibson, pretty solid outing in this one, does wind up giving up eight hits and five and two-thirds innings, so he was dodging some bullets, but gives up two runs along the way. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Andrew Bellotti, Connor Brogdon. I'll give you a scoreless inning at Brad Ann and out out of the bullpen, but nothing doing for the Philadelphia Phillies with regards to their offense. This one wound up going to extra innings, and Pete Alonso was able to put the explanation point on this one for the Mets. We're now 26-14. They get the win, 7-6 for Alonso. Tenth home run season that comes off of Giovanni Gallegos, who has had his struggles this year. Now 4-1-5 ERA. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned in that tenth inning. You did wind up having to go to Hudson. Give you a little bit of a dud of a start, giving up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Nick Whitgren gets it out of the bullpen, but now before allowing a run. And then you wind up having Ryan Elsley, Genesis Cabrera, Andre Pellanti. I'll give you a combined four scoreless innings out of the bullpen, so four between the three of them. And for the Cardinals, you did wind up having a home run off the bat of Juan Yepes off of Chris Bassett. Third home run season. And Paul Goldschmidt. Took Bassett hook, line, and sinker for his sixth home run season. As Bassett winds going six on the third innings, giving up four runs, including those two home runs. Edwin Diaz did allow a run out of the bullpen, so he wound up having a little bit of a blown save. But Drew Smith, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. And then you wind up getting the W to Colin Holderman, who winds up giving up an under run in the tenth inning with the stupid ghost runner. The New York Yankees, who entered in winners of 20 out of their last 23, they wind up falling to the Baltimore Orioles 9-6 to six of final. John Carlos Sand did his part, winds up getting his 11th home run of the season off of Bruce Zimmerman. And first ball to be able to go deep off of the new dimensions over that just high left field out there in Baltimore, by the way, as serving that up was Zimmerman giving up five runs over the course of five innings. Then the bullpen, which has been one of the better ones out there in the big leagues, goes to work. Joey Kreeble along with Felix Batista combined for a scoreless inning. Dylan Tate, Brian Baker, they both give you a scoreless inning. Orde Lopez strikes out the side, but gives up a run in and ending out of the process, but the Orioles pair of home runs in this one. Anthony Santander winds going deep off of Lucas Lutke, the walk-off winner. 
seventh home run season, and Jordan Montgomery winds up serving one up to Robinson Torino's first of the season for Montgomery. Not the start he was looking for, giving up three runs over the course of five innings and a Yankees bullpen that entered number one in the league with regards to ERA. They struggled in this one. Miguel Castro, three runs, two of which were earned without getting it out. Lucas Luki gives up that walk-off homer, giving up three runs, two of which were earned in his third of an inning of work. You did have Chad Green and Jonathan Lewisigan combined for a scoreless inning and Walden Peralta, two scoreless innings, but Yankees unable to get the job done on Thursday. Getting the job done on Thursday, though, was the Cincinnati Reds. We're now in four in their last 12 games after beginning the year 3-22, 4-2 the final as Tyler Molly, a really good start. Six and a third innings, giving up one run. Luis Sessa was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Alexis Diaz does wind up giving up a run while getting just one out of the bullpen, but Tony Santian, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless as Taylor Naquin goes deep off of Cal Quantrill, fourth home run season. Only mistake that Quantrill would wind up making. He's now given up three runs or fewer in 21 out of his last 23 pitching appearances, giving up this at one run in seven innings, but then Trevor Steven was hurt by his own fielding error, gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of two-thirds of an inning before Eli Morgan holds down the fort, gets the final four outs before the Guardians. Not a lot doing on offense, just three hits, so they wind up falling in that one, and you also wind up having the Walker Texas Rangers falling to the Houston Astros. Five to one, the finalized for Texas. Glenn Otto winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings, as it was really the Astros opening it up late. Three runs in the eighth inning was able to give them the run line winner as Martin Maldonado, who is currently ending up buck 22, wound up having three RBI, and Framber Valdez, very good start. Seven innings pitch, gives up one run. Hector Neris, Ryan Presley, part of one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They give you a scoreless inning and a Rangers bullpen that has been relatively solid this year. And their struggles as Josh Shoreridge winds up giving up three runs over the course of one and a third innings. And Matt, give me some more. Pair of outs out of the bullpen. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they hit the road and they take down the Chicago Cubs by a count of three to one. Not a ton of length from Zach Allen, but once again, solid performance. Actually raised the CRA to a buck 14, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Bullpen of the Diamondbacks goes to work from there. Ian Kennedy and Sean Puppin combined for two scoreless innings. And then Joe Manette, typically Mark Melanson. They give you a scoreless inning as Dalton Varsho goes deep off of one. Marcus Roman for his seventh home run season. Stroman, fresh off the injured list. Not a great start, not a terrible one. Gives up that home run. Three runs, two of which were earned in total over the course of five innings. Scott Efres was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless. And Brandon Hughes, he winds up coming in. He gives you five outs out of the bullpen before Robbie Gizelman gives you a scoreless setting. But for the Cubs, nine men left on base. Just nothing doing for that offense and not a lot doing for Seattle and their pitching staff in general. They wind up falling to the Boston Red Sox 12-6 as it was story time. Trevor Story goes deep in this game three times. His third, fourth, and fifth of the season. So he over doubled his home run output in this game. Goes off for seven RBI as George Kirby... Well, he's going to need to Kirby his enthusiasm, giving up two of those home runs, five runs in total over the course of five innings, and then you wound up having Danny Young come in for one and a third innings. He winds up giving up three runs, including one of those bombs. Wyatt Mills, he gives up a run without getting a single out of the bullpen. Anthony Bacevich, he gets two outs, gives up two runs, and Sergio Romo winds up giving up a run in an inning as the Seattle Mariners actually put up four runs in the second inning, so they were up at 1.4-0. Rich Hill wound up serving up a bomb to Dylan Moore, his second home run season, then you would have Julio Rodriguez in the ninth inning go deep off of Ryan Brazier, third of the season for Brazier. So I got a 628 ERA giving up that home run in his inning of work. Itakaza Sadamoda winds up giving up a run in a third of an inning, and you did have Matt Stram give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. Rich Hill, bad start here after he was actually giving up a combined three runs in his last four starts. Gives up four in two innings, but Tanner Oak 
good long relief. Six punch outs, no runs allowed in four innings, and John Schreiber was able to give you a scoreless inning. We'll talk about the Red Sox a little bit later, and we'll talk about the White Sox with Sam Panionovic in the next segment as well. DK Nation pick was on the under with the way that both of these offenses have been performing, and then they decided to bust out 7-4 the final as Luis Robert winds up getting his sixth home run season. That comes off Dylan Coleman. Coleman winds up allowing two runs over the course of one and two-thirds innings, and Carlos Hernandez continues his struggles, giving up three runs over the course of three innings, now rocking a 9-10 ERA, better than the 9-1-1 ERA, but still not great there. You did wind up having three innings out of Rama Balanos, who winds up giving up a run in the process. Gabe Spear, he winds up giving up a run while getting just one out as Amir Garrett was able to give you a scoreless setting And for the Royals, they did wind up going two of six with Ben in scoring position, getting to Vince Velasquez, who gives up four runs over the course of five innings. But then from there, bullpen has been shaky for the White Sox. They wind up coming in and doing their part. Bennett Sosa, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks. They all allowed men on base, but they all wound up being able to give you a scoreless setting. So the White Sox get back to 19 and 19 and if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now we have seen a little bit of a rise with regards to the overs in the past I would say two weeks or so it is still very much an under season thus far though 289 unders to 245 overs so 54.1 percent of games overall this season have gone under the total and if you're looking at the last seven days 48 unders to 43 overs, so right around 52.7% of games in that time span have went under the total. Underdogs, they're starting to regress back to what we've seen this year, 40 and 58 straight up over the last seven days, and if you're looking at the entirety of the MLB season, underdogs sitting right around 40.1-ish percent, 227 and 339, but among those 339 straight up wins for favorites, they have failed to cover the run line in now 92 of them, going 247 and 323 when laying a run and a half with home favorites having the biggest struggle. They've won 215 times straight up, but home favorites on the run line have failed to cover it 69 times. So that's what we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on Thursday. Coming up next, we head out to the great city of Boston where we find Sam Paniotovich. Does a great job with the t- Chicken Dinner Podcast. Does a great job with the Ultimate Betting Show over there at Nesson. Going to talk some White Sox. Going to talk some Red Sox. Take a look at the American League in general, and that is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like, choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline have you heard about the social media platform for kids it's called zikazoo It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. 
Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest. As back when he was at Beeson, I actually did some producing for him on the weekends. And it is great to see that he is doing a great job over there in the great state of Massachusetts as he's at Nesson. He is doing the ultimate betting show that wound up just launching this week for them. I know that he, Claudia Belafato, they are tearing it up with that. And Sam also does a great podcast of his own. That'd be the Chicken Dinner Podcast here. But find that podcast wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. He does some Fox Sports work as well as it is Sam Paniotovich joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at SP Shoot All Together. And Sam, it is great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you. Hoops, I owe you a 20 for that intro. It was incredible. <laughs> I knew it would be good. I remember when we used to do holler at hoops hashtag. Oh, yes. It was one of the best segments we did because you took on all comers as you do in everything that you do. And that was one of the best parts of my weekend. It was you. Kenny White, myself, and hashtag holler at hoops. 
your stock has continued to rise. Your following continues to grow. You have blown me off the map, man. If anybody's happy for you, man, it's me. And it's good to be here with you. And it's great to be with you as well. And it's been great to be able to take a look at your new show the past week as well. And I know that you've been doing great work with that chicken dinner podcast, which you've had for many years. So great to have you aboard. And Sam, I know you are a big fan of the Chicago White Sox. And starting up on Friday, they're going to have one of their bigger series that we're going to be fighting all year. They're going to be going to the Bronx. They're going to be taking on the New York Yankees. As of the time of this podcast, we're going to be assuming that they're going to be right around 500, maybe a game or two above or below. But what have you seen out of the White Sox this season? Because I feel like this is still the team that should be able to win the AL Central. I still think that this is a team that is pretty rock solid. But I just think that it's a case of health right now with guys like Eloy Jimenez and company just not being able to stay out there on the field. It's a very enigmatic baseball team, and the expectations around the fan base are pennant, World Series. That's what White Sox fans desire. That's what they crave, and that's been the bill of goods from the organization. The issue is the team just they can't put together a stretch of good baseball, aside from the start they had when I believe they started 6-1 and one to start their season. But remember, there have been some big names that have been out of this mix, if you will. Lance Lynn. We haven't seen a single pitch from Lance Lynn yet. Yuan Moncada missed the first three or four weeks of the regular season with an injury. Tim Anderson was like suspended for the first couple games. <laughs> Eloy Jimenez has torn his hamstring. Luis Robert has missed time. Andrew Vaughn has been on the shelf. There are so many guys. Joe Kelly's another one, a reliever they spent a lot of money on. They haven't been anywhere near healthy, man. And that's sometimes more than half the battle in baseball. You know, I mean, they've been playing lineups with Leori Garcia hitting in the three-hole and Danny Mendick hitting sixth. And that's an issue because those are guys that are fringe major leaguers or bench guys. So I'm willing to sort of ignore how poor the season started because I think there's injury regression the right way with this club. And I'll tell you what, you know, before the season, they were as high as minus 275, minus 280 to win the AL Central. So 280 wins 100. That's pretty steep. Now you could find them like minus 115, minus 120. And 10 days ago, before they started to get hot, I think they had a six-game winning streak. You could have found the White Sox at plus 130, plus 135 to win the Central. So that number has morphed from a positive to a negative. Now you got to lay money to win money. I still think that's relatively cheap given where the price was and where it is. And I, I feel like if the White Sox regress to the mean and the Twins regress to the mean, the White Sox are still a better baseball team. I don't know how far they can go, but if you cut it down to just the division, can they win the division? Will they win the division? Even at this point, when they're right around 500 heading through the month of May, the answer is yes, they can. And I think they will. So even at minus 115, minus 120, I still don't think that's a bad bet on them to figure things out and win this division. After that, I don't know. I have my concerns. Yep, I do think that it would be tough for the White Sox to be able to represent the American League in the World Series, especially with the way that the Houston Astros are just starting to light it up once again, and the New York Yankees have just been absolutely mashing themselves. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but I'm right there with you on the AL Central, as we do have Sam Paniotovich joining me on the podcast. And the biggest thing that I take a look at for the White Sox as well is that we talk about the injuries with them, and 
That's the biggest question mark with the team that is going to be trying to win the division with them as well, the Minnesota Twins, which I think that we can both agree they are certainly the next best team when it comes to this division. And I mean, if Byron Buxton could stay healthy for a full year, I think that this guy is good enough to actually win an American League MVP. When he has been out there, I mean, he's on like if he were to play a full 162-game season, he'd be on pace to set some sort of a home run record. The problem is he just can't wind up staying healthy, and that's a big issue with the Twins because when he's out there on the field, that's a 90-plus win team if he plays a full 162, but we both know that's unfortunately not the case. And he's not the only guy that has proven to continuously find himself on the shelf. I mean, that Gary Sanchez is a perfect example, and Miguel Sano is another example. You know, back in the day, they had a guy named Justin Morneau who would roll out of bed and get a concussion. He's no longer there. It's been a long time. But there's always that gaggle of players in Minnesota that just can't stay healthy. And, And, you know, I remember looking at the board at Circa in Vegas before the season, and you know Chris Bennett, a mutual friend of ours, He's extremely high on Byron Buxton. I remember like poking fun at him like, hey, Bennett, why do you have Buxton at 12 to 1 to win the MVP? This is back in the middle of March. This is before the season even started. And he said if he stays healthy, he's one of the best players, not only in his division, in the league, in baseball. And we just haven't really seen that materialize. Remember, Buxton's, you know, a top first round pick. This is a guy who was projected to be a five-tool player. You know, he was in the conversation with guys like Mike Trout when he was first drafted and brought up and developed, but he just hasn't stayed healthy. I think the psychological part of us as handicappers, we sometimes remember what has happened and we think that's going to happen in the future. And it's sort of silly to think that, well, he's going to get hurt eventually because yeah, that's the assumption, but that's not the reality. Maybe he plays 150 games this year, knock on wood. I mean, I hope he stays healthy because I think a healthy Twins team can, in some weird way, push a White Sox team. Like, you'd rather have competition in your division. I think the White Sox are better if they're pushed, and a healthy Byron Buxton certainly helps push the envelope and essentially make the White Sox better. But that should be a tight race, man. I thought before the season – The White Sox were a lock to win the division. Clearly, I was wrong. But those two teams, you know, the Guardians eventually are going to taper off. The Tigers and Royals, I think they both suck. But it should be a very solid one-two punch. I'm curious, like, if I were to make a number for you and say, okay, the gap between the White Sox and Twins, either or, like the inverse gap, is three and a half games on September 1st. Would you go over or under that, September one? I think it depends upon how many games Byron Buxton winds up playing because if he winds up playing 110 or so games at that point, I would probably say that it's going to be less than three and a half games. I can't bank on Byron Buxton being able to stay healthy. If he winds up playing 80 games, oh yeah, I'd be willing to take the over on the Twins being up more than three and a half games. So that is the big giant equalizer right there. Yeah, and the pitching, you know, I remember talking to Randy Bloom at the Westgate, and he's like, look, this rotation isn't that great. I look at Minnesota the same way I look at Tampa. They can turn 4A guys, you know, fringe major league guys, into serviceable players. And you go back to guys like Carlos Silva and Brad Radke and guys like that. I mean, they've been doing it as an organization for a long time. They're very good at getting a lot out of players that other organizations can't. Remember, Jake Odorizzi was a twin a couple years ago. He had a stellar year, and he leaves Minnesota, and it's like, oh, he just fell off the face of the earth. So, you know, Minnesota, Tampa, Oakland, those are always the teams that can find guys that maybe didn't have success in other places 
and they get the best out of them. So that always helps Minnesota as well. But I think the overlying theme of this conversation is, are you willing to lay minus 15, minus 120, minus a quarter on a team that is clearly the team with the most potential, the most upside, and the most talent? Are you willing to lay 115, 120, minus 125 on a team that was minus 250 or higher going into the season? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Yep, I do think that that is a very big question to be able to take a look at as well. And when it comes to the American League, obviously the American League East is something that we're going to be taking a look at all season long as we do have Sam Panjavich joining me on the podcast. And I know that you're out there in Boston and it's been a rough year for Red Sox fans. I'm sure that you've had a lot of people that have been talking to you about this as well. They're going to be heading into what we're going to be getting with regards to the weekend, well below 500. And they're another team that I think a little bit of positive progression is going to be coming their way. But the problem with them, unlike what we're seeing with regards to the Chicago White Sox, is that when you have to go up against the Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Yankees, when you have to go up against all those teams in the American League East, it's really hard to be able to get on the right track. Now, good news for them, they're going to be reaching a little bit more of a stable stretch of the schedule, being able to play against the Baltimore Orioles in recent weeks. They're going to be playing against the Reds towards the end of the month of May and then into June, the Oakland A's as well. That should be able to help them out a little bit. But I take a look at the Red Sox, and I don't think that they're as bad as the record would indicate at this point, but I certainly do think that they're in grave danger of finishing number four in this division. You know, the hype around the team after last season, I thought was a little too high. It was funny, Hoops, because last year, the win total opened 79 and a half, got bet to 80, 80 and a half. And most people around Boston are like, oh, they, they're going to lose 100 games. You know, and then they, <laughs> they win 90 plus, they win a series in the postseason, they go neck and neck with the Astros for a handful of games, and then all of a sudden, the narrative changes. Oh, you know, the win total this year was 86. It's like everybody I talked to was like, Oba! <laughs> like, that's a pretty big hike from last year to this year. You know, almost a seven-game discrepancy in win totals from one year to the next. And, you know, let's be honest, man. They overachieved last year. They had a lot of guys that had really good years. You know, Hunter Renfro had an amazing year. No longer here. You had guys in the rotation, had very good seasons. The bullpen was solid. Rafi Devers had a really good season, you know, and I think you look at the team now and it's very important to look at how hot guys like Bogart and J.D. Martinez and Rafi Devers are, yet they're still way under 500. That's a little alarming. And the other side of the conversation is that you have two players in that locker room that have been focal parts of this organization. Xander Bogarts has been here, has a World Series ring. Rafi Devers has been here almost five full seasons now. They are both not locked locked in. I sounded like a Bostonian. Locked in. They are not <laughs> locked in long term. And that's something in a major league locker room that can be alarming. You know, is Bogarts going to get paid or is he going to get traded? I don't have that answer. But I think Bogarts is asking that same question. Every time Rafi Devers hits a monster home run, Red Sox Twitter is like, pay Devers, pay Devers. But the Red Sox aren't negotiating. And, and they're not, they're not going to have these conversations right now. So I wonder about the mix here. Martinez is getting older by the minute. He's a very good player. He's serviceable. The locker room loves him. But those are three players. They don't have a long future here. And I think that's weighing on those three guys. They're all hitting well. They're all playing well. But what happens July 1, August 1, when they're not extended? What is the psyche in that locker room like? And in a 162-game season, 
that locker room is very important. And you don't want guys that aren't committed. You don't want guys that are jaded. And that's not to say that it's going to happen. But if they don't get their contract talk settled, how does that affect the locker room? And that's something that isn't going on in New York and Toronto and Tampa. So that's certainly something you have to pay attention to with the Red Sox going down the next couple of months. To your point of the big three in Bogart, Stevers, and Martinez, I don't think I've ever seen this before. All three of these guys were hitting at least a 333 going into that Wednesday night game against the Houston Astros. Nobody else with at least five at-bats hitting above a 231. So those guys are hitting more than 100 points higher than everyone else with at least five at-bats. That is absolutely insane, and that is as top-heavy as it gets when it comes to a lineup. So to your point, they probably want to re-sign the Marlins. They literally have no hitting whatsoever at this point. And Sam, I know it's going to be interesting to take a look at them, and we're going to have a full slate of baseball on Friday as we're doing this. We don't have any lines out as of right now. We've got a couple look ads. We can make some assumptions, but really across the board, we don't really have a lot. But is there a game or two that you're really going to be having your eye on, whether it comes to a betting perspective, or just do you want to see a little bit more from a team or a pitcher in general? Yeah, I'm looking at that. You know, I don't have the the probables in front of me in Chicago and New York. I was at that series. I was back home in Chicago this past weekend, and it was just moon balls all over the yard. And and Yankee Stadium ha- has proven to be a place where baseballs go to die. Like, that's the one place where, you know, you look at the home run leaderboard, and it's like, oh, my God. Clearly, the baseballs are okay in the Bronx, and that's thanks to the big jet stream that blows out the right center field and all that. But, you know, you're looking at a lot of overs. Like, it's overs or pass for me in that series. I'm guessing we're going to get a start from Dylan Cease. I believe he pitched on Tuesday. If you look at Dylan Cease, Greg, go look at his strikeout prop and how it has risen over his last two seasons. There were some games early last year where his strikeout prop was five juice to the over, five and a half juice to the under. We're starting to see Dylan Cease props at seven and a half flat, seven and a half over minus 120. And he struck out, I think he struck out nine or 10 Yankees in the last meeting. Like I said, I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe Dylan Cease, you could check this on StatFox, I believe he's gone over his strikeout number in six of seven or seven of eight starts. It's it's amazing. Like, they still haven't caught up the sports books yet, and I've been talking about this on Chicken Dinner for two years. His stuff is better than anybody's in that White Sox rotation, and he's going to get the ball at some point this week, and I don't know if it's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, but he just pitched early this week, so he's going to pitch against New York. That is a guy to pay attention to. Even at 7.5 over minus 130, I don't think that's a bad bet. Yeah, it's a little juicy, but, dude, he's striking out eight, nine, ten guys pretty much every single start, and the sports books still haven't caught up. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some offense in that series, but I'm looking for Dylan Cease to continue being Dylan Cease on the bump. And Cease has had at least eight strikeouts in all but one of his starts this season. That was the start they wound up having against the Guardians. So that said, he's been great, and we're actually going to be getting Dallas Keiko on Friday from the probables that it looks like right now, and that's not a guy that you probably want to be taking a strikeout prop over on as he has, well, I think we both agree, not been great this season. So that is probably not going to be the one that the White Sox are looking to. You want to look to Dylan Cease much more, who, by the way, he had some pretty big home and road splits last season. He's been able to be a little bit better on the road this season as well. So that's something I'll be taking a look at as well. And Sam, I know you're doing a great job of taking a look at all this. And I know out there in the city of Boston, 
They're certainly taking a look at baseball, but I know the NBA is certainly on tap for you guys as well with the Celtics making their run, and you guys just wound up launching the Ultimate Betting Show over there at Nesson. That is weeknights every Monday through Friday. I know that you, Claudia, and host of others are doing a great job with that show, and you mentioned it, Chicken Dinner Podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get this podcast. You do a great job with that as well. So let the good people at home know what you're all working on in general and how people can follow along with all your work on social media and other platforms. Yeah, thanks for the dance floor here. You know, I would just say simply you can follow the show or our department on Twitter at Nesson Bets, N-E-S-N Bets. All of the content is there, the written word, the podcast, videos, all that stuff, the clips from shows is all available there. The website is nessandbets.com. That's all I'm going to plug. We're very excited. We just started the show this Monday. It's crazy, man. You know, I think you and I both, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't know what we were going to do. We like sports and we dabbled in gambling a bit, but now we get to talk about it every single day. It's so incredible to, to see how far the industry has come, how far you have come, how far I have come. It's really, really cool. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, we got to set up a home and home here. Like I just came into the swamp again. I feel like I'm at, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. I want you to come to the bayou, though. I got to get you on chicken dinner. We got to set up a home and home sometime soon, okay? Absolutely. I am all for it. Be able to just discuss a little baseball, perhaps a little bit of transfer portal and NBA draft talk as well as that is currently hot and heavy right now and more than happy to be able to do that. And Sam does an absolutely terrific job of taking a look at all this. And to his point, man, things have really progressed just even in the last five years in general. Since we wound up doing so much over there at Visa when he was hosting on the weekends and I was his producer over there. So it certainly has been a wild ride. And Sam, just one of the ultimate best guys in the industry. And it was great to be able to get him on the podcast today. So a big thanks to Sam Pennyotovich for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. was absolutely tremendous to be able to get Sam Panyadovich on the podcast. I used to be his producer way back in the day when he was at VEASAN, so great to have that reunion going on. It was great to be able to get him aboard. Does a great job with the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Does a great job over there at Nesson. Just launched a new show this week, the Ultimate Betting Show, so great to be able to see him having all that success, and great to be able to get him on the podcast today. Big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore d1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first and then the American League games and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And when it comes down to it, well, we really don't have any pitching changes as of right now, so it's looking like we're going to have a pretty clean board, and we are actually going to be starting with my DK Nation pick right at the top. 901, 902 on the betting board. You've got the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Snakes are going to be in the road, and they're going to be facing off against the Chicago Cubs. This is going to be Kyle Hendricks. It's going to be going for the Cubbies, and Humberto Casianos is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We currently do not have a total up for this game because it always depends upon the Wrigley Field wind when it's blowing out that winds up adjusting the totals a little bit. And looks like we're going to have the wind shifting around a little bit. Seems like it's going to be blowing out 
for a bit in this one, so I did wind up setting my total a bit higher as a result. This will be updated if I wind up seeing anything different with regards to forecast, but I did wind up making my total where a 9 or less, I'd be looking at an over, and a 9.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at an under, but with that said, when it comes to the spread, got the Cubs anywhere between minus 420 and minus 425. Meanwhile, with the Snakes, you're finding them anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115, and that is a DK Nation pick. We don't have a total up on this game, so I'm not going to give up a total that we don't know yet, but with that said, with the Cubs, I wound up saying them closer to a minus 160 favorite here because Kyle Hendricks, just throughout his career in general, has always been better at home than he has been on the road. As a matter of fact, right around 1.25 points lower is his ERA at home rather than on the road. So he always has been able to do a great job with that regard. And you do take a look at what you're able to get out of Humberto Casianos. It's been far from terrible this year. 4.15 ERA, but you just fear that the lack of swing and miss stuff right around seven strikeouts per nine innings is going to wind up nipping him in the butt a little bit. Has given up three home runs over the course of 30 innings. So has been able to get a little bit of soft contact. Last time he faced off against the Cubs was at home on Sunday. That was a game in which the Cubs wound up winning by a count of three to two. And a lot of that had to do with the bullpen and for the Cubs right now they're finding themselves in the top 10 in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. Scott Efres, Rowan Wick, both of these guys a sub to ERA. They have been absolutely terrific for this team and you're even able to take a look at some of these guys like a Michael Givens doing their part. Kyle Hendricks has had a little bit of an up and down year this year right around a 4.03 ERA but Hendricks has looked a little bit better in recent starts and as I mentioned with those home and road splits, they're pretty demonstrative. 282 ERA thus far at home. Opponents sitting a 226 off of them as walks per nine rate. It's a little bit higher than what you'd expect, right? Around three walks per nine innings. I do think that that is going to be going down as the season goes along. And this is a Cubs team that is scoring a full run more at home rather than on the road. So I do think that that is important as well. You take a look at this Cubs lineup and the power has not necessarily been there for this team. Wilson Contreras was the only guy in the starting lineup yesterday, not named Patrick Wisdom, to have at least four home runs. Wisdom does have six home runs, but he's striking out in nearly 45% of his at-bats. That's honestly too terrific. Frank Schwindel only right around a 230 for the scene, but C.A. Suzuki, Jan Gomes, both of these guys in between a 250 to a 260. Ian Happ has done a great job of being able to get on base for you as well. Contreras, who I mentioned earlier, hitting a 270. And for the Diamondbacks, the batting average is a little bit more respectable, but even going into... What we wound up getting on Thursday, hitting at 207 as a collective. That's honestly too terrific. Christian Walker does have nine home runs for the team. And you do have David Peralta, Jordan Luplo, Dalton Varsho, all with at least five or six home runs. But that said, you take a look at the lineup that they wound up trotting out there Thursday. And other than Alec Thomas, who has just 35 at-bats this season, you wound up having one player hitting above a 243. And that's another guy with 37 at-bats, Joshua Ross. So, it's been a little bit tough there when you wind up having some of these guys like a Mark Blanton out there in the bullpen who's got a north of 70 yard. That is tough. Joe Manage Hipley has been solid, but DK Nation pick is the Cubs. I do think that the professor Kyle Hendricks is going to be able to get to work in this one. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the Cubs money line and set my total at a 9.3. So nine or less looking over nine and a half or higher to the under 903, 904 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals is going to be in there to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Zach Thompson is going to be going for the Buckos and Wayno, Adam Wainwright is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. Your total on this game is 8. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105 with St. Louis. Going to be finding them anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150 plus price. And the Buckos is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 136. And set the Cardinals at a minus 168 on the money line. When it comes to run line right now, 
you're finding this anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115. I just want to lay about a minus 110, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals on the run line. I do think that they're going to have a chance to be able to win this game by multiple runs. We've just seen it with throw teams being able to win by multiple runs so much more than home teams, which is why you do have a little bit less juice with regards to that plus price, but still, you take a look at Adam Wainwright, and he did get off to a little bit of a rough start to the season, but has really been able to rein it in ever since then. In his last three starts, has given up a combined five runs, just one home run in that time span. The walks have been a little bit unsightly. He did wind up having eight walks in that time span, so that's been a little bit of an issue for him overall this season. 15 walks and 40 innings, but I think that he's going to be able to rein it in with that regard, and you do take a look at Zach Thompson, and he's a guy with his walks issues as well. Four and a half walks per nine innings. Actually was very solid. While he was with the Miami Marlins last year, this year has not been so solid. 5.47 area with the Pirates as compared to a 3.24 with the Fishies last season. Got to figure that playing at that very pitcher-friendly ballpark wound up helping him out. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and you do have quite a bit of offense for this team. Nolan Arenado hitting right around at 300. He's been able to go deep nine times this season. Paul Goldschmidt has done a great job of getting on base. He and Brendan Donovan both have right around a 400 on base. Both of these guys hitting above a 300. And then the bottom of the lineup, Albert Pujols, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, Austin Kinsner, along the Adier Molina, so both of the catchers. Only between about a 238 to a 250. And Juan Yepes has done a nice job of being able to move the line as well. Cardinals have a top 10 bullpen in the big league, so it has been faltering recently. We wound up seeing that walk-off home run yesterday off of Giovanni Gallegos. Not as terrific, and Andre Palanti did wind up having to get used up for 28 pitches, but Genesis Cabrera could conceivably wind up coming back for this one. Ryan Helsley has yet to give up an earned run all season. TJ McFarlane has been a little bit up and down, but by and large, bullpen has been able to do their part, and then you take a look at the flip side for the Pirates, and all but two of their wins have actually come out of the bullpen, but the issue with the Pirates is that you do have some less than trustworthy guys out there in the bullpen. Anthony Banda has been able to do a solid job, coupled with David Benar, both of these guys posting up a sub-3 ERA, but then you take a look at guys like a Heath Embry, Aaron Fletcher, whenever he's been out there, Dwayne Underwood Jr., all these guys with North of a 6 ERA, Chris Strand, a 540, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've had guys that will be able to move the line. Cabrian Hayes hitting just below a 300 for the team as Ben Roxall, Ben Gamble, a 345 on base, Daniel Vogelback, six home runs, 250 batting average, but this is also a Pirates team that they've got 28 home runs in 37 games as far this season. It certainly has not been going well for them there. It's a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Pittsburgh. 12 bombs in 19 home games thus far this season with the team as a collective hitting a 230. Cabrian Hayes has been able to get on base at home, but really past that has been a little bit of a slog for this team. So I do think that Adam Wainwright going to be able to come in, going to be able to get the job done. I am taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line, especially with Zach Thompson having his struggles ever since he's gotten to Pittsburgh. Did wind up saying my total at a 7.8. I do think that the Cardinals could hold down a pirate team that just has not been able to generate a lot of power. So I'm looking at the under on 8 and the Cardinals on the run line. 9 to 5, 9 of 6 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be in the red faceoff against the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be going for the Fishies. And you've got Charlie Morton on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta is anywhere between a minus 122 and minus 130 favorite. Meanwhile, with Miami, it is anywhere between plus 110 and plus 113. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And when it comes to Rogers and company, was willing to take anything pretty much north of a plus 110. We have gotten a little bit above plus 110 on the Marlins in most spots. So I'm going to be looking to take the plus price here with Trevor Rogers. He did wind up getting off to a little bit of a rough start this season. And for his career, doesn't necessarily have demonstrative home and road splits, but now has given up one earned run or fewer in four out of his last five starts. 
has reined it in with the walks after that was a little bit rough to begin the season. Now has given up a combined six walks over the course of his last four starts. So has done a nice job there. Swinging himself is a little bit down this year. Right around eight strikeouts per nine innings where it was north of ten last season. And you do take a look at Charlie Bourne on the flip side and he's seen a little bit of a reduction with regards to his swinging and stuff. And much like we wound up seeing with Trevor Rogers after a little bit of a rough start to the season, he's been able to hold that down but still has given up at least three runs in three out of his last five starts. That has been an issue and has had a little bit of a rough going on the road. Last year he actually had a better road ERA than a home ERA. This year for Charlie Morton, small sample size of three starts but at 731 ERA. And this is a Miami Marlins team that I'm not going to come out here and say that they're like an amazing offense or anything like that. But you do have guys that are moving the line. Jazz Chislam has been able to hit right around at 300. He's been able to go deep seven times. Jesus Aguiar, one of the top RBI guy in the league last season. 267 batting average. Garrett Cooper, 325 on base. Jesus Sanchez has been able to give you a quadrant of home runs. He's been able to get on base. Now, Ore Soler, Avicio Garcia, Miguel Ruaz, Jacob Sellings, only at 250 or lower. That has been a little bit rough, but with the Miami Marlins as well, this has been a bullpen that has been able to do a nice job of being able to come in and hold down the fort as you've really been able to get some nice innings out of Tommy Nance recently. He, Anthony Bass, and Lewis Head, all with a sub-170 ERA. Cole Solzer has been okay. Tanner Scott has been a little bit up and down, but he'll certainly take that in for the Atlanta Braves. Tyler Mazik has not been seen in quite a while. He's been a little bit banged up for this team. Now, I will say Spencer Strider has been able to give the team some good innings in long relief, but Kenley Jansen's a little bit of a roll of the dice. Colin McHugh has an earth of a fort ERA as well, and for the Braves, it's been a little bit of a streaky offense because this is a team that has a collective. They're in just a 223. You've had a lot of power with regards to the team as Awesome Riley is eight home runs, Marcel Ozuna, Ozzy Albies, they've been able to combine for 13 bombs, but both of these guys a sub-290 on base as well. Matt Olson, he's got more of a 375 on base, but certainly has been a little bit touch and go with him. Adam Duvall, hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200 as well. You've got Travis Demmer, who's been seeing a little bit of regression. Ronald Cunha Jr. has been banged up too, so I take a look at this spot, and I think that the Marlins should be a slight underdog here, but I think that now that we're getting north of a plus 110, it is my buy point here. Do you mind if saying my total at 7.2 as well? I think that Morton is starting to improve. Rodgers is starting to improve as well. So I'm going to take the plus price here with the fish, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as we go to 907, 908 on the bank board. The Philadelphia Phillies going to be playing us to the LA Dodgers. One Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Rangers Suarez is going to be on the bump for Philadelphia. Your total on this game is 9. Under is minus 120, and the over is even, and with the Dodgers. Any routine, minus 1. 138 and minus 142 is what you're laying with them. Meanwhile, your plus price with Philadelphia, you're finding it anywhere between plus 125 and plus 132. And with the Dodgers, I was willing to lay up to a minus 141 with them, seeing right around a lot of minus 140, minus 138. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on Julio Arias and company. Now, you may recall the Philadelphia Phillies wound up being able to take three of four when these two teams wound up doing battle in Los Angeles last weekend, but you've got to have your trepidations with this Phillies bullpen right now. They are in the bottom eight of the big leagues with regards to ERA. Jersey Familia has been very unreliable for this team. Corey Knable has been a little bit up and down, and then you wind up getting into the guys like James Norwood and company. It's not been too terrific, and then Bryce Harper dealing with an injury when it comes to lineup. That's not necessarily what you'd like to see. Now, Nick Cassianos has been able to do a solid job getting on base. He's hitting right around 270, and Alec Boehm with regards to the glove has been terrible. With the bat, he's hitting at 300. Gene Segura is hitting at 295. So these 
these guys have been able to move the line for you. Reese Hoskins, he's been able to go deep seven times, 20 RBI. He's starting to get the job done then for the LA Dodgers. This is a team that's starting to pick it up with regards to their bats as well. A nice sweep over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Wound up being able to get them going. Offense has not necessarily seen a bunch of power. Bookie Betts is the only guy with north of five home runs for the team. He's been able to give the team a 350 on base and then Trey Turner down for what, 345 on base. Freddie Freeman north of a 400 on base, but Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, all these guys have been hitting a 210 or lower. Bellinger just lost once again this season. Chris Taylor is hitting right around 250 for this bunch, but you did take a look at this. LA Dodgers bullpen and Craig Kimbrell may not be totally elite, but still one of the better closers that you're going to find out there. In the big leagues, Bursuit or Gryderall is able to touch triple digits as well. Blake Tryon being out of the fold, no question, as wound up hurting this team a little bit. But even something like a Phil Bickford, Alex Vasilla, Vasilla has seen a little bit of regression. But still, these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. And for Mr. Julio Arias, you take a look at the way that he was able to get 20 wins last season. And 13 of them did wind up coming on the road. He's got right around a 332 road ERA thus far this season over the course of four starts. Has been able to do a solid job of not giving up a lot of walks. Eight total walks in 36 innings. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit more. I do think that that is going to wind up being able to regress to the mean a little bit more. And for Rangers, Suarez. I mean, really the big thing with a lot of his runs is that he wound up pitching in that three-air game for Alec Bohm. Bohm has actually committed quite a few errors behind him, but he has given up three-plus runs and now three out of his last four starts. So has been a little bit touch-and-go for him this season. Just giving up quite a bit of contact in general. A little bit over nine hits per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is a little bit north of three. So I do take a look at this spot. And I do think that the Dodgers have value pretty much up to right around a minus 140. Set them as a minus 141 favorite. So here at the current line, I'm barely willing to lay the Dodgers on the money line. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.7. So here at the nine, I'm looking under, though. We are seeing this heavily juice if this winds up getting to like an eight and a half with minus one. 15-ish juice on the over. I'd be willing to take that, but at a 9, looking under, and pretty much minus 140 or less, we'll be willing to take a shot here on the Dodgers. 909-910 on the bang board. The Washington Nationals are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the crew, and Eric Fetty Wap is going to be on the bump for Washington. Washington, a sizable underdog, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 173. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the crew, it's anywhere between minus 177 and minus 188, 8.5 is your total unders any between minus 115 and minus 130. Overs between plus 110 and minus 105. With Lauer, I wound up setting a minus 193 on the money line. If you take a look at the run line, you're finding it between a plus 105 and a plus 110. It certainly is a little bit of a roll of the dice to be taking a home team on the run line just because you do wind up forfeiting those ninth inning at-bats unless you wind up having a two-run walk-off home run to be able to cover it. But I feel secure in the Brewers being able to cover this because you do take a look at Mr. Freddie Wap, and it has been a rough season for him, to say the least. 424 ERA has actually been able to do a better job of keeping on the deep ball this season. Four home runs given up in 34 innings, but what's really killing him is the walks. 18 walks in 34 innings. He has given up at least three walks in three out of his last four starts, going five innings or fewer in three out of those four starts as well. Has never really been a great swing and miss guy, and has been able to get right around eight and a half strikeouts per night. 
nine innings, but you do take a look at Eric Lauer, and this guy has been very solid this season. Did wind up giving up four runs in his last start, but still, overall this season, 260 ERA. Got some help from Angel Hernandez when he wanted pitching on Sunday Night Baseball, but 49 punch outs in 34 and two-thirds innings. He has seen a little bit of a velocity increase in recent years that has allowed him to be even more lethal, and in his starts at home this season, obviously very small sample size, he has posted up a buck 30 ERA, and you're even able to go back to the 2021 season, wound up having a 312 ERA at home with six home runs, give it up in 66 and a third inning. So I do take a look at this Brewers lineup, and I do think that they have been the beneficiaries of, we're going to call it what it is, a very favorable schedule of facing off against the Cubs, the Reds, the Pirates a lot. So that has inflated their numbers with regards to the offense. They've got 50 home runs in 38 games this year. That's towards the top of the major leagues on a run for William Thomas, Roddy Tellis, up between eight and nine home runs. A lot of that is because they did wind up playing against us. We're going to call it what it is, poopy teams. But so you have had Christian Yelich be able to give you a 335 on base. Not MVP level Christian Yelich, but better than what he has been in recent years. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Colton Wong. He's sitting right around 250 for this bunch. Has been a little bit touch and go with regards to just getting guys on base. And Luis Urias being on the phone for quite a while has been earning this team as well. But with Brewers, you also do have a very good bullpen. Josh Hader is still a little bit in question with regards to him whether he's going to be available for this game or not. He's tending to a personal family matter, but you do have Devin Williams, who is certainly going to be out there. Jake Cousins not being on the roster has been hurting this team a little bit, but even Brian Boxberger, he's had a lot of blown saves, but that's because guys like Trevor Cotton Company in front of him have not necessarily been too terrific. And then with Washington Nationals, this is a bullpen that is just not good. Tanner Rainey, I mean, he wound up having a north of 7 ERA last season. He has been getting tattooed recently, giving up at least one run in each out of his last three appearances. Kyle Finnegan has been rocking an ERA that's right around a 3-8. Steve Ciszek, he's a little bit long in the tooth. Victor Arano, north of a 4 ERA. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals. It's not necessarily a terrible offense. This is a team that has been lacking a little bit of home run power. You do need Juan Soto to be able to go deep a little bit more. And, I mean, it is asking a lot out of Juan Soto because he's right now getting 8 home runs and 11 RBI. Does someone feel like being able to get on for this guy? And, I mean, you actually do have guys that have been able to do a solid job with regards to their batting average. Me Calafranco, Cesar Hernandez, Kibet Ruiz, only between a 262 and a 282. But the bottom of the lineup, guys like Lane Thomas, you're able to throw in there someone like an Alcides Escobar. These guys have been far from terrific as well. So with the Brewers, I am willing to lay the run line here. Getting a plus price is what I'm looking at. I'd be even willing to take even money. I do mind setting my total at a 7.6. So I'm looking at this total under, and I'm looking at the Brewers on the run line as we move to 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitans at the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. One Herman Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies, and one Carlos Carrasco is going to be on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are friending themselves a favorite of any between minus 130, minus 138. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, you're going to be getting them in between plus 110 and plus 128 with 10 to 10 and being your total on the 10 and a half. Under is minus 115, the over is minus 105 on the 10, the over is any between minus 110 and minus 120, the under is any between even and minus 110. I did wind up saying my total in the spot at a 10.4. So here at the 10, I'm going to be taking a look at the over because Herman Marquez has not necessarily been as dominant as you'd like him to be this season. I do think that there's going to be positive progression with him, but 6-1-6 is his ERA. He's given up a little bit over 1.7 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, barely sub three, but he's just given up a lot of contact in general. Ten and a half hits per nine innings, and then you take a look at Mr. Cookie Carrasco, and he's given up a little bit over eight and a half hits per nine innings. Three home runs in 41 innings, and it's kept the walks down. Fewer than two walks 
per nine innings, but certainly has been getting tattooed a little bit. He's given up a combined 14 runs over the course of his last four starts. Once again, in that time span, not really giving up bombs, only one home run, but still, he has been getting quite barbecued with that regard. And for the Mets, this is a bullpen that they did wind up losing some pieces from last season. Jurisic Familia, maybe they're a little bit fortunate that they wound up getting rid of him along there. Loop not being in the fold and Miguel Castro has hurt them a little bit, but you have been able to get some solid innings out of someone like Seth Lugo. Edwin Diaz has been able to shut things down as well. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Colorado Rockies. This is the deadliest bullpen with regards to ERA in the big leagues, but a lot of these guys have actually been able to perform a little bit better than at home rather than on the road. Daniel Bard has certainly been that case. He has nearly three points lower on his ERA the last two seasons at home rather than on the road. Alex Calme, his ERA is right around 324 at home, 675 on the road. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is always a team that they've got demonstrative home and road splits when it comes to the bats. And that's certainly the case this season. CJ Crone has 10 home runs. He has eight of those at home. And at home, is hitting a 391. Meanwhile, you take a look at him on the road, and I mean, that just completely falls off a cliff to 211. It is absolutely insane what we've been seeing with that regard. Ryan McBann, someone who's hitting right around about a 229, a 230-ish on the road. He's hitting a 300 at home as well. 27 home runs in 22 games at home for the Rockies with them hitting a 285 as a collective. So I do think that Colorado just being in this environment and the Mets having to pretty much go from home and then they have to travel to Colorado. They have to go to elevation. That is going to be messing with them a little bit. I was willing to take the Rockies as long as I was getting a plus 110 or greater. So I'm going to be taking a shot here on Colorado with Marquez. It's been a little bit of a shaky start to the season, so I do think that he's going to give up some runs, but I think that the Rockies get to the bets here as well. Looking at the 10 over, and I'm looking at the plus price with Colorado. 913-914 on the bank board. The San Francisco Giants going to be playing us to the Slam Diego Padres as Sean Menez going to be going for the pods, and Jacob Junis is going to be on the bump for the Giants. The Giants are finding themselves as a very slight favorite. Anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Slam Diego, you're going to be finding them in between plus 102 and minus 105. 7.5 is your total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with the Giants, set them as a minus 114 favorite. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here. Jacob Junis has been actually surprising me a little bit this season. And after a very good first three or four starts with the San Diego Padres, Sean Manea has been having a little bit of a rough time with it. And for Manea, it's not necessarily been the walks. He's been giving up right around 2.9 walks per nine innings, but has now surrendered at least three runs in each out of his last four starts, giving up four home runs in that time span. And I mean, the swing and miss stuff has actually been there for him. 31 punch outs over the course of his last four starts, but he is just getting absolutely tattooed, giving up a little bit too much hard contact. Meanwhile, you do take a look at the San Francisco Giants team, and they have scored at least six runs and now six out of their last eight games. So this is a lineup that is certainly cooking with some gas, and you do take a look at the San Francisco Giants team, and Thario Estrada has been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base. He's hitting right around 270. Wilmer Flores hitting more like a 260, and all of a sudden you've been able to get a little bit more power going with regards to the team. Doc Peterson has been able to go deep seven times this season. Mike Ustremski, 375 on base. Brandon Belt has been a little bit banged up, but he's got a 340 on base, and for the Giants, this bullpen last season was the only one that wound up having a sub-3 ERA. They certainly have had their ups and their downs this season, but a lot of those have been around Jake McGee, and with them out of the fold, that means that you don't have to worry about him. Camilio Duvall has been nothing short of terrific. Right around a 230 ERA. Jose Alvarez could sometimes be a little bit up and down. He's been having a bit of a rough season, but Tyler Rogers, he's got a sub-3 ERA 
as well. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres, and this is a bottom eight bullpen with regards to ERA, even with Taylor Rogers, another one of the Rogers brothers, doing absolutely amazing work. He has been, aside from Josh Hader, legitimately the best closer out there in the big leagues. But you take a look past that, and you got Robert Suarez along Stephen Wilson, both posting up a little bit north of a four ERA. Pierce Johnson has been a little bit banged up. He has been up and down whenever he's been in there. Denelson Lamette out there in the bullpen has been a hot mess, to say the least. And for the San Diego Padres, very much a top-heavy lineup. You've got two guys that have been absolutely amazing at being able to get on base and Manny Machado and Eric Cosmer. Both of these guys at least a 390 on base. Both of these guys hitting at least a 330 with Machado, 7 home runs, 23 RBI. But then take a look at the rest of this bunch and... You've got a big giant chasm as you've got one other player that is giving you at least 20 at bats that is sitting above a 235, and that would be Oriel Faro, who's giving you 60 at bats. So that is a big giant downer with regards to the team. I do take a look at Jacob Junis being able to come in, being able to hold down the four bucks 74 ERA is a guy that is probably going to give you right around four to five innings. He's been able to do a solid job with length going between five and five and two thirds in every one of his starts thus far this season slash long relief appearances. I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job, give them five and then turn it over to a bullpen that is going to be able to shut things down. So I'm taking a look at the San Francisco Giants in this spot. Set my total at a 7.6 as well with the way the Manea has been struggling a little bit more in the Giants. Still a little bit down with regards to their bullpen from last season as well. So looking over and looking Giants. I'm 15, on the bank where the Tampa Bay race. Going to be in the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Wells is going to be going for the Royals, and Jalen Beeks is going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150 as a favorite. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Baltimore, it's anywhere between plus 125 and plus 138, with 8 to 8.5 being your total. On the 8, overs minus 120, and the under is even. On the 8.5, unders minus 120, and the over is even with the Baltimore Orioles. Set them as a pretty sizable underdog in this spot, wanted making them a plus 166. So I'm going to be willing to take. The Tampa Bay race in the spot. Only question becomes money line or run line. I was willing to lay a little bit of a price on the run line with the Rays, and you're getting them at a plus 110. So I'm going to be willing to take that plus money because I do take a look at what you're able to get out of the Baltimore Orioles. And, well, with Tyler Wells, he wanted pitching out of the bullpen last season, and he's been one of the weak links with regards to his pitching staff in general. And it's been a case in which he just has not been able to necessarily give you a ton of length either because, I mean, he's only giving up four walks over the course of 28 innings, but he's also giving up right around 10 hits per nine innings. He has went north of five innings just once at his seven starts this season, so he has had a little bit of an issue there. He's getting 19 strikeouts over the course of 28 innings, and for the race, this is going to be a little bit of a piggyback situation. Jalen Beeks is likely going to pitch right around I would say more like three-ish innings. He's typically been going two. I could see him going three. And then you wind up turning the ball over to Ryan Yarbrough. And Yarbrough throughout his career, whenever he comes out of the bullpen, he's got an ERA that's about one and a half points lower than as an actual starter. So Ryan Yarbrough coming out of the bullpen, being able to relieve Jalen Beeks, that's actually a very good place to be able to look on this one. And for Beeks, he himself, Bucks 72 ERA, has been able to do a nice job being able to hold down the fort. Meanwhile, Yarbrough in the games that he's been utilized as a starter, it's not necessarily been so terrific for him. He's made three starts, 111 innings, 491 ERA. You expect a little bit more out of him. He's allowed seven walks in that time span. And it just feels 
like whenever he comes out of the bullpen, I have no idea why, by the way. It just feels like he winds up having a little bit of better command. And you do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays lineup, and you got a lot of guys that have been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base for you. Manuel Margot, Harold Ramirez, both of these guys earning above a 300. Yandy Diaz, along with Isaac Paredes, G-Man Joy, Wanda Franco, all these guys are in between a 272 and a 287. You've been able to get right around five home runs out of Ryan and Lau, but he's been injured in recent days and only providing a 293 on base overall for the season side. It's been a little bit of an issue along with Mike Zanino hitting a buck 50 with just three home runs. So you've had some downers there, but you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. Ryan Mountcastle deal with an injury in the last series. That wound up hurting them a little bit. He's on the 10-day injured list. But you do take a look at some of the other bats and Trey Boom Boom Mancini along with Austin the Say's kid. Both of these guys hitting north of a 285. It's beneficial. Anthony Santander is providing a 350 on base. Cedric Mullins looking like the Cedric Mullins of old first month of the season. It was not going well for him whatsoever. And then take a look at the month of May. Hitting right around a 300 with an OPS of a 795. So that has been very much an uptick there. But you still have that bottom of the lineup that is just not very good for this team. Anthony Ben Boom. You're able to take a look at some of like a Ramon Urias, Runet Odor, Calvin Gutierrez, Chris Owings, all these guys in a 210 or lower. That is an issue, and I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays going to be able to do a good job of being able to come in, being able to hold down the Ford end. I do think that this is going to be a case in which the Rays are going to be able to get it done in quite convincing fashion. I'm going to be taking a look at the Rays on the run line, being able to get a plus price that is very appealing to me. And when it comes to this total, I did wind up setting it at an 8.4, so seeing the 8.5s that we've got right now, I'd be willing to take it under. I personally would rather have an 8 over, especially if we're able to get more around minus 115 juice. That was the opener in the spot, so I would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under, even with the new dimensions out there in Baltimore. I do think that the Rays are going to be able to tattoo this team a little bit, so that's what I'm taking a look at with regards to a total perspective, and going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line as we move on to 917-918 on the betting board. The uh, Chicago White Sox, and they're going to be in the road face-off against the New York Yankees. One, Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees, and Dallas Keuchel is on the bump for Chicago. 8.5 is your total, seeing a straight 8 out there as well. On the 8, the over is minus 125, the under is plus 105. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even at plus 110 and with the Yankees. Find them anywhere between minus 185 and minus 195. Meanwhile, your plus price with the White Sox is anywhere between plus 165 and plus 173. We talked quite a bit with our good friend Sammy P about the Chicago White Sox and I like them when they wind up having Dylan Cease on the mound as he was talking about. I think that he would agree with me that Dallas Keuchel is right now pretty much a fade. This guy has not been good all season long. Now the good news is He's not rocking a north of 10 ERA like he did after the first few starts of the season, but still, 554 ERA. The big thing with him is that he doesn't get strikeouts, and yet he's giving up nearly five walks per nine innings. That's just unacceptable. You can't wind up having that. And his last start was actually by far his best of the season. Ironically enough, against the Yankees, went five innings, didn't allow a run. Now, had to evade a lot of danger. Gave up four hits and three walks in that time span, and has given up at least three walks in three out of his last four games. I wouldn't bank on that, especially with this White Sox bullpen. Needing to use up Liam Hendricks for over 20 pitches yesterday. He barely got out of Kansas City alive with his butt in that one, and then you got guys 
guys like uh, Jose Ruiz, who has been far from terrific for this team. Matt Foster has actually been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, but bullpen is currently in the bottom 10 with regards to almost every category in baseball, including ERA. And meanwhile, the New York Yankees, they're rocking the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Chad Green has been solid for this team. Clay Holmes right now has a 0.44 ERA. Miguel Castro has been able to do a good job for this team as well. And for the New York Yankees, they did wind up losing that game against the Baltimore Orioles. As currently, you are having a couple issues with regards to Lucas Lutke and Earl Shabin has been a little bit all over the place. But a good elixir to that is having all the power bats that you do wind up having. Aaron Judge has been absolutely terrific for this New York Yankees team. He has went deep 14 times. He's hitting above a 300. John Carlos Stan, he now has 11 home runs. He's hitting right around 295. Anthony Rizzo has been able to go deep 10 times. Josh Donaldson has been solid. Aaron X, he's currently hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 along Joey Gallo, but I mean, both of these guys do a solid job. We'll be able to draw some walks. Gallo's a little bit of pop in the bat, and then you take a look at the flip side for the Chicago White Sox, and offense was able to get a little bit more online yesterday, being able to get seven runs, but you're still dealing with an injury to Eli Jimenez, and you just take a look at all these guys. Jose Abreu, Gavin Sheets, Yasmati Grandal, Reese McGuire, Josh Harrison, Yoel Moncada, all these guys in a 210 or lower. That is a little bit gas like Luis Robert is hitting a 300 and Tim Anderson right around a 350. But really, other than Andrew Vaughn, who just wanted coming back out of injury, these are the only guys that are getting on base for you. And this is a White Sox team that they just don't wind up hitting righties the same way that they wind up hitting lefties. That is a little bit of an issue. And Nestor Cortez, he is a lefty. And against left-handed pitching. You do have a White Sox team that they are hitting for right around about a 250-ish. So that is a little bit of an uptick there, which is why I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8. But you do take a look at Nestor Cortez and guy's been absolutely magnificent. 49 punch shots in 40 innings in his last start against the White Sox, who I mentioned. They do well against left-handed pitching. Gave up one run over the course of eight innings. Three hits, no walks. Guy was absolutely dominant. I think that he's going to be able to shell it out once again with regards to the Yankees run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 110. With and right now we're getting a little bit of a plus price if you want to be able to take it a lot of places right around even money so I'm going to be willing to take it up to a minus 110 so I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees on the run line got my total in an 8.8 so here at the 8.5 going to be taking a look at it over as well 918 920 on the betting board the Detroit Tigers hit the road face off against the Cleveland Guardians as Aaron Savali is going to be going for the Guardians and Tariq Skubal going to be on the bump for Detroit Detroit has find themselves a very slight favorite anywhere between minus 108 and minus 114 meanwhile with Cleveland it's anywhere between and minus 105 and a plus 104. 8.5 is here total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And I did mind it saying my total at an 8.2. Going to be taking a look at an under in this spot as the Guardians, they seem to be regressing a little bit in terms of their offense. But I do mind it saying the Guardians as a minus 132 favorite because the big thing with the Detroit Tigers is that the offense has just not been there for this team all season long. Aaron Judge, all by himself, currently has 14 home runs this season. The Detroit Tigers in 38 games have 20. I mean, boy, oh boy. They currently have, as a collective, I think six fewer home runs than the duo of John Carlos Sin, along with Aaron Judge. Might be five, but I mean, they're trailing those two individuals. It has been really rough for this team, and got a lot of dead bats are currently in the lineup as Robbie Grossman, Avi Baez, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Jonathan Scope, Derek Hill, Eric Koss, all these guys running at 210 or lower. You've been able to have Miguel Cabrera be able to get on base. He's hitting right around 285 along with Victor Reyes, but that's a little bit of an issue. Now, the good news for the Tigers is 
is that they've got a top six bullpen with regards to ERA. Willie Peralta's even been halfway decent. Alex Lang has been able to provide a sub two ERA since coming out the injured Lysander Chafin has been able to do his job. And Tariq Skubal has been able to cut down on the home runs this season. Last year, he gave up more than two home runs per nine innings. He's given up two home runs at 39 and two thirds innings all season long. His strikeouts per nine rate, it's a little bit north of 10, so he's been able to do a solid job there. But he also did take a look at it, and he's had some fortunate starts being able to face off against the Oakland A's and the Baltimore Orioles in his last two. That does wind up being able to help out your cause quite a bit, but still, he's been able to do a nice job. And then you take a look at Aaron Savali, 985 ERA. He got a little bit lucky this year. No fans or buts about it. He's gotten a little bit unlucky this season, so I think that things are balanced out, and now I think that we're going to see the true Aaron Savali. He has given up four-plus runs in each out of his last five starts. That is certainly a little bit of an issue, giving up at least a one home run in every one of them, but good news is you wind up facing off against the Detroit Tigers, so that should be able to help out a little bit, and he's really wound up against Murderers Row when it comes to the lineups. He did wind up having a start against Oakland, but Toronto, the Twins, the Yankees, the Giants having to face all those teams, that's not necessarily too terrific, and he is backed up by a good bullpen. Emmanuel Fosse, one of the better closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Trevor Steven has had his ups and his downs. He did wind up getting used up yesterday, but even if you don't wind up having Stevens available in this game today, Nick Sandlin has been able to do a nice job. He's rocking right around a three-ish ERA, and Yelde Los Santos has actually been able to give you some solid innings, and then you do take a look at the Cleveland Guardians, and got a lot of guys that have been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base for you. Josh Naylor has been out due to COVID-19, but Andres Jimenez is hitting above a 300. You've had Stephen Kwan give you a 375 on base. Miles Straw sitting right around 345 with regards to his on base. Eight stolen bases this season. Jose Ramirez, 34 RBI, eight home runs. He has been terrific. You need more out of Fran Mill Reyes, but certainly I do take a look at the Guardians. They've got a leg up with regards to the bats, and I do think that they're going to get to Drake Scooble in the spot. I do think that there's going to be positive progress for Savalia, especially going up against this struggling Tigers lineup. So I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2, so you're an 8.5. Going under, I made the Cleveland Guardians favorite, so taking Cleveland on the money line. 921-922 on the betting board, the Boston Red Sox. They're going to be playing with the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the M's, and Michael Waka is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. No numbers available for this game as Waka just coming off of the injured list of there wanted to be a little bit of confirmation as to whether or not he was going to be able to go. And with regards to the book of Greg Peterson, I did wind up saying Robbie Ray and the Mariners as a minus 104 favorite. I actually really like the way that Michael Walker has pitched thus far this season, but this is going to be his first start since the 3rd of May. Wound up going on the injured list, and I typically like to fade guys coming off of the injured list, so that is something they certainly do want to be taking a look at as you take a look at the injury that he did wind up having, and he wound up actually going on the 15-day injured list with that, and it was a case in which he wound up having a intercostal injury, so those are things that you don't necessarily want to mess with, and Robbie Ray, he's probably one of the worst Cy Young winners that we've ever seen. I'm not even kidding when I wind up saying that. He has given up a little bit too much of the deep ball this season. Seven bombs given up in 48 and two-thirds innings, and that's relatively on par to what he wound up doing last season. Still getting quite a few strikeouts, a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. Needs to cut down on the walks, so right around three and a half walks per nine innings. Has always been a little bit of an issue for him, and for Boston, the big thing is, this is very much a top-heavy lineup. If you're able to get other guys like a Trevor Story going, who he wound up having a pair of home runs yesterday, that is very big 
take from. Things are going to be looking up, but I wound up throwing out there that stat with Sammy Panyanovich. You want to take a look at this Red Sox lineup. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts all entered into what we wound up getting on Thursday, hitting at least a 333, and nobody else that had seen at least five at-bats were hitting within 100 points of them. I mean, all these guys, Alex Verdugo, story before yesterday, Bobby Dahlback, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kike Hernandez, they've all been big, giant Buster Rooney's at the plate, and you take a look at these Seattle Mariners, and Ty France along J.P. Crawford are both hitting above a 300. France has been able to do a good job, 28-plus RBI this season, and you do have Adam Frazier getting on base, 270 batting average, but... I mean, they themselves. Jared Kelnick, who's been out of the fourth for quite a while. Abraham Toro, Dill Morris, Steven Sosa, Cal Raleigh, Luis Torrens, and Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, all these guys hitting at 220 or lower. That has been toughed out. Julio Rodriguez is a star for the scene, but for the Seattle Mariners, bullpen has been a little bit more shaky this season as well. Drew Seconrider has been dealing with a couple of injuries. Paul Seawald has been a little bit better recently, but he's had his ups and his downs. Anthony Michevich, I've always liked him. Sub-3 ERA and Wyatt Mills has been able to do an okay job as well, but Diego Castillo's not been necessarily too reliable, and for the Boston Red Sox, not necessarily too reliable of a bullpen this year with the team as well. Ryan Brazier entered into yesterday, Rock and a 6 ERA. Matt Barnes, a 7-11 ERA. He's always open to giving up runs up for you, Tanner. Houck has become the long guy. That's honestly too terrific. I've always liked Erikazu Sawadamura. He's been able to give you right around a 3-ish ERA, but that said, when it comes to this game, currently no numbers up on it, but I made the Mariners minus 104 favorite with Waka coming out the Angeles and made my total an 8.7, so 8.5 or less, looking over 9 or higher to the under 923-924 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Devin Smeltzer is going to be going for the Twins at Daniel Lynch is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves as an underdog in this spot as you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 105 and a plus 115. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Minnesota, anywhere between minus 118 to minus 127 is what you're laying there. Eight and a half is your total. Seeing straight eight out there as well. On the eight, overs minus 120 and the under is even. On the eight and a half, unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. And when it comes to the Minnesota Twins, I did wind up saying them as a little bit of a favorite in this spot. I wound up making them a minus 118. The minus 118 that we're seeing right now, that is pretty much the max that I'd be willing to lay in. If you're taking a look at a run line, you're only finding it right around a plus 120 with the Minnesota Twins. That is just completely untakeable in this fight. You need to be getting much more value. As a matter of fact, if I don't wind up getting the Royals to be able to get up to north of a plus 118, I was willing to lay up to a minus 147 on the run line. I'd be willing to lay about a minus 140 on this plus one and a half run because it's a Royals team that entering into what we wound up getting yesterday. They're only averaging right around 2.7 runs per game at home, but I do think that there's going to be some positive progression with regards to this bullpen. Josh Shamon is still a relatively solid arm for this team. You've had Scott Barlow give you a sub-2 ERA, so this is not a Royals team that when it's all said and done is going to be a bottom five bullpen in the big leagues. Joel Pyops is able to give you a little bit of long relief, and Daniel Lynch has actually been halfway decent for this Royals team. Last year, he was just a complete and utter stinker Rooney, but and he's given up a combined five runs in his last five starts. He needs to cut down on the walks a little bit, a combined eight walks in his last two starts, but still has been able to give you red round, eight strike up rank, 29 punch outs over the course of 30 innings. It's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, and then you take a look at Devin Smeltzer, a little bit of a young guy that has had a couple cups of coffee at the big league level, wound up giving up one run over the course of five innings against the Cleveland Guardians in his first start of the season, so you do like to see that, and I think that this is a guy that's going to be able to come in and is going to be able to do an okay job. You take a look at him for his career. He's made eight starts, 20 total appearances, a 410 ERA. 
someone who does a solid job of not giving up a lot of walks. Right around 2.5-ish walks per nine innings. Sometimes does wind up giving up a little bit too much hard contact, but by and large, he's able to come in and hold down the fort. So I do think that's a relative stalemate when it comes to the starters. And the Twins, they do have a little bit of a leg up with regards to bullpen. Top 10 bullpen with regards to ERA. Joe Smith has yet to give up a single run this year. Yoan Duran, he's been able to do a solid job. He's rocking right around 3-ish ERA. I never can trust an Emilio Pagan, but that said, even some of the other lesser guys for the team, like Danny Columbi, have been able to do a good job. And then for the Minnesota Twins, I mean, the big thing for the team is that Byron Buxton is just always hurt. He wanted to miss the last game of their previous series against the Oakland A's. Sounds like he should be good to go in this one, and I mean, he's been very impactful for this team. 11 home runs in 25 games a season. Nothing short of remarkable. And then, you take a look past that. You do have a couple guys who are able to get on base for you, and many of these guys have been injured. Trevor Larnish, he's hitting above a 300. He's been banged up. Carlos Correa, he has landed himself on the injured list as well, but do take a look at Nick Gordon hitting at 250. Max Kepler is up to a 260. Power has an SC Benner there for him in recent years, but certainly able to do a solid job there. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Kansas City Royals, and this is just a bunch that they don't really have a lot of power bats out there. Salvador Perez has landed on the 10-day injured list, so MJ Melendez is currently taking the spot for him at Royals' collective. They're in at 230, but a lot of that is without power. They've got 24 home runs in 36 games thus far this season, and their offensive numbers are quite honestly significantly worse at home than on the road. You've got Andrew Benintendi hitting a 305-hundred Dozier right around a 285. And other than Mr. Melendez, the understudy who has come in, you don't have a single other guy that's hitting at least a 250 for this team. You've got Bobby with Jr. hitting at 225. And then with Mirfield, Ryan O'Hearn, and Alberto Mondesi who's been a little bit banged up. And can we DFA Carlos Santana? The guy is hitting a buck 22. And after the Elster break last year among qualifying players, he was legitimately the worst hitter in big league. So I did take a look at this spot. And with the Kansas City Royals, at current numbers, I'd be taking the run and a half at minus 140, which, I mean, once again, this is something that happens like once in a blue moon, but at current numbers, unless we wind up getting to right around a plus 120, which I'm not sure we're going to, I'd be willing to take that run and a half with the Royals and lay right around a minus 140 in this spot, because I do think that both of these offenses might have a little bit of a tough time with it, semi-total at 8.1, so looking under, and at current lines, good wind up changing if we see an overnight line move, I'm going to take a run and a half with the Royals, 925, 926 on the bang board, got the Walker, Texas Rangers in the red face off against the Houston Astros. Christian Avier is going to be going for the Astros, and Martin Perez is going to be going for the Rangers. The Rangers find themselves as relatively sizable underdogs. Going to be getting them anywhere between plus 146 and plus 151. Meanwhile, with these throws, anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170 is what you're laying with them. Total on this game is 8. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And with the Astros, was willing to lay up to a minus 160 with them, so minus 160, pretty much the max. And if you're looking at the run line, you're finding that anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115, and I would need at least a plus 120 to be able to take a shot there. We're seeing a couple plus 120s, so right now, this is right on the borderline of what I'm seeing. I would rather lay a minus 160 rather than take the run line in the spot, though, because I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to do a relatively solid job, and with Martin Perez, he has actually been very good with the Texas Rangers this year. Now, I am sort of waiting for the regression to come in with Martin Perez because he's given up zero home runs this season in north of 40 innings. That is not going to be a last forever. He has given up just 11 walks in 40 and a third innings as well, and this is a guy that for his career has typically given up right around 3.3, 3.4 walks per nine innings, but I mean, he looks like a new man this year. Seven walks over the course of his last five starts. He has given up in that time span. Three earned runs. Was a victim of a couple unearned runs, but he's been able to do a nice job to be able to hold down the fort. But you do take a look at this Houston Astros lineup, and it is lethal. As you've now got Jose Altuve firing all cylinders. He's got right around a 350 on base, eight home runs despite the games they wanted missing this season. Jordan Alvarez has been able to go deep 12 times. 
He's hitting right around 250. Alex Bregman is starting to pick it up a little bit as well. Jeremy Pena, 275 batting average. He's been able to go deep seven times north of 20 RBI. And for the Texas Rangers, I mean, Marcus Simeon is a big giant waste of money of the league right now. I mean, he's hitting below a buck 80. And this is a gentleman that has as many home runs as myself. It's ghastly bad. And then you take a look at he, you're able to throw in there Adelise Garcia, Mitch Garver, Andy Ibanez, all these guys in a 215 or lower, and it's not great. Corey Seager's starting to pick it up. He's saying a 250, he's went deep eight times a season. Eli White is able to give you some respectable at-bats as well, but certainly an issue there. And for the Texas Rangers, to their credit, this has actually been a very good bullpen, which is why I would want the money line a little bit more than the run line, because Brock Burke, along with Joe Barla, have been giving you sub-two ERAs. John King, right around a 265 ERA himself. Matt Moore, I think that there's going to be a regression with his sub-three ERA, but he's been solid as well. But for the Astros, this is a top eight bullpen with regards to ERA as well. Ryan Stanek has a sub two ERA. Rafael Montero has a sub one ERA. Now, these guys are certainly going to see regression as well. And you take a look at Christian Avier to wind up having a rough last start, giving up seven runs against the Washington Nationals. But prior to that, the guy had been absolute nails, giving up a combined two runs in each out of his previous four appearances as he's given up just two home runs in 25 and a third innings. His strikeouts for nine rate this year is a little bit north of 10. Walks can sometimes be a little bit of an issue with them, but only giving up right around three-ish walks per nine innings. You can certainly handle that. So I do think that the Astros should be able to get it done. And I do think that Perez is still going to be able to give a relatively solid start, but certainly have more faith in the Astros lineup. I did wind up saying this total at a 7.8. So here at the eight, I'm looking at an under and I'm looking at the Astros up to about a minus 160 on the money line. But 927, 928 on the betting board, the LA Angels going to be playing us the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. And Chase Silseth, who's going to be going for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves as pretty good sized favorites here. Any between minus 159 and minus 170. Meanwhile, take a look at Oakland. Find them anywhere between plus 145 and plus 158. And your total on this game, you're getting it at an 8. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I need the plus 158 to be able to take a shot on the A's, but I'm willing to take the plus 158 on the A's. Paul Blackburn has been walking the plank, and he has been doing a very good job of walking the plank. How about a buck 67 ERA, 4 0 record, one home run given up in 37 and two thirds innings of five walks? Now, do I think that there's going to be regression with Mr. Blackburn? Absolutely. You take a look at him prior to this year. He had had a career north of a 5-5-ish ERA. Last year, he had a 5.87 ERA. I mean, he wasn't giving out a lot of walks last season, but was giving up a lot of hard contact. Opponents had a 3.19 off of him overall. Thus far this season, opponents are just a 2.13 off of him. So, beneficiaries of the dead ball, probably himself. But I do take a look at Silseth as well. And, I mean, Chase Silseth is someone that wound up having something like a 9-1 or a 10-1 record while he was at Arizona a few seasons ago with north of a 4 ERA. He's got good electrifying stuff. We wound up seeing that in his first start, ironically enough, against the A's, in which he wound up going six innings without giving up a run, but I do think that there's going to be a regression to that. Oakland seeing him the second time through, I think that they are going to be able to hit him a little bit better now. This is an Oakland lineup that has been bad this season. They're in a 205 as collective. Sean Murphy is hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Christian Pache, I need just has not been able to get it going with the bat. He's hitting a buck 55. Seth Brown, he's hitting a buck 85 as well, but Sheldon Noisy has been a little bit banged up, has been able to do a solid job. 336 on base percentage. He has not wound up playing in about a week or so because of a couple of injuries, but there's a chance that he could wind up coming back for this one. Tony Kemp, he's been able to get on base for you a little bit as well. Chad Pinder is hitting north of a 250, and apparently Beans guys with 45 mile per hour fastballs when he's asked to pitch, and then you take a look at the LA Angels saying, it's guys not named Otani and Trout, never really been able to step up like Taylor Ward. He's hitting a 375. He has been able to do a 
saw job being able to provide nine home runs, a 488 on base, by the way. Joey Otani, he's hitting a 250. He's went deep eight times. Jared Walsh, eight home runs, 250 batting average. Mike Trout, 432 on base, 11 bombs, 23 RBI. Even someone like a Tyler Wade hitting a 250. Brandon Marsh being able to hit a 280. These guys have been rock solid for the scene, but the Angels do have a couple question marks when it comes to the bullpen. Rossi Iglesias, Ryan Tapera, they're relatively solid in an air loop. Last year out of one area, you did figure that there's going to be a little bit of regression to that, but still, buck 62 this season, but Tapera's been roughed up a little bit. They've been utilizing Jose Suarez out there in the bullpen. That has honestly been too terrific, and I do think that Silseth might be in for a little bit of a Shorter start in this one, and when it comes to the longer guys of the Angels, they're not necessarily trustworthy, so I did wind up setting my total at an 8.3. As a result, it's been a little bit of a shaky Oakland lineup, but I do think that they're going to be able to get things going in this one. Need at least a plus 158 to be able to take a shot here in Oakland, but I'm willing to take that shot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing out the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Luis Castillo getting the start for them, and Hunjin Ryu is going to be going for the Jays. The Blue Jays, anywhere between minus one. 70 and minus 183 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Reds, it's a team plus 155 and plus 166 with your total 8.5. On the 8.5, unders anywhere between minus 120 minus 125. The overs anywhere between even and plus 105 and seeing a straight 8 out there as well. On the 8, overs minus 120 and the under is even with the Blue Jays. Was willing to lay up to a minus 172 on the money line. With regards to the run line, you're right now finding it in between a plus 105 to a plus 110. I would need at least a plus 110 to be able to take a shot. But I am willing to take a shot on plus 110. You do take a look at the Reds, and I would need at least a plus 172 to be able to take a shot on their money line, and I just don't think that we're going to be able to get there with that regard. Now, Luis Castillo has been able to come off of the injured list, and he hasn't looked great. He hasn't looked terrible. You can tell that he's still trying to ramp up a little bit more as my nine and two-thirds innings across two starts. has given up two home runs, and walks have always been a little bit of an issue with him. Four walks in those nine and two-thirds innings, and Andrew Ryu, he wound up being banged up at the beginning of the season, wound up giving... Two just really bad starts. Came back in his first start off the injured list and looked a little bit more like the Unjin Ryu of old. One walk given up in four and a third innings. Did wind up giving up a solo run, but by and large was able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort. Big thing with the Blue Jays is this is a lineup that has went very, very cold as they have scored three runs or fewer in now five out of their last seven games. And you just know that this is not going to last forever, Boba Shett. He has been able to give you right around 245 batting average. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 370 on base, seven home runs, 21 RBI. George Springer, seven home runs, 21 RBI. He's hitting at 270 as well. Santiago Spennell, he's been able to get on base for you along with Alejandro Kirk. But power numbers with the Blue Jays, 39 home runs in 38 games. You got to expect those to be able to go up a little bit more. And for the Blue Jays, bullpen has been a little bit shaky this season, but you've been able to get some very good performances out of Jordan Romano. He's actually been a terrific closer for this team, but unfortunately he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, so that is a little bit of an issue. He's unlikely to be available in this spot, and for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that unexpectedly, they wound up having to play yesterday, so they did not wind up getting that day off for travel and everything like that due to the rain out against the Guardians, so Luis Sessa, Alexis Diaz, who's really been one of the best bullpen pitchers out there in the big leagues with a 102 ERA He's going to be unavailable for this game, which means that Hunter Strickland is going to be. Now, what I will say about the Reds is that this has been a team that has been very, very solid to the over. 16 out of their last 21 games have wound up going over the total. You've got Brandon Drury, Tommy Pham, along with Mike Moustakis, all in between a 240 and a 247. And take a look at Drury. He's been able to go deep seven times with 22 RBI. So that has been very good. Tyler Stevenson has been able to hit a 325, 20 RBI. 
He's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold it down, be able to get on base, along with Albert Armora Jr. hitting a 300. He's been coming into quite a few of these games, and now that he's gotten some at-bats, he's been able to lend a little bit of production as well, but I really can't trust in this Reds bullpen with the Toronto Blue Jays, even with Jordan Romano out of the fold. You still have a couple guys like an Adam Simber. They're able to come in. They're going to be able to hold down the fort. A lot of the longer guys in someone like a Trevor Richards, they have had a little bit of a tough go of it, but I do think that someone like a Tim Meza, David Phelps, they're going to be able to come in, do a solid job. So with the Toronto Blue Jays, as long as I'm getting that plus 110 on the run line, I'm going to be willing to take a shot there. Did when I'm saying my total at a 9.2. Reds have been terrific to the over. Hunjin Ryu is coming off the injured list. Luis Castillo, he's still trying to find it a little bit more as well. And I do think that there's going to be positive progression with regards to this Blue Jays lineup. So I'm looking at the over and I'm looking at the Jays on the run line. And that will wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family of Podcasts. Big thanks to Nesson's very own Sam Paniadovich of the Chicken Dinner Podcast as well for joining me in the last segment. If you do like preparing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you're podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNRS41. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean it does not matter. Size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.